My name is Karen Drake, and um, I want to tell you uh, of an exciting ministry that we have um, and um, a little bit about my background first. Um, personally, God called me to missions when I was a, about 16. Um, I, I am an MK. I grew up in Japan. Um, and um, But uh, my personal call was at 16, and the verse in John chapter 15, verse 16, was really meaningful to me. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And through a series of events, ultimately at the end of my nursing education, I felt um, I remember saying as a young person, I wanted to be a nurse because I didn't want to teach. But God had other plans for me. I ultimately became both a nurse and an educator. And the ministry God called me to was nursing education. So um, my first um, place of teaching, well, actually, I did teach a year in the U.S. before I went to Zimbabwe. But I taught for um, seven, 15 years, was in Zimbabwe, 17 years teaching nursing um, uh, in a very rural part um, of uh, Zimbabwe at a, it was kind of like a three-year um, hospital program. And through some very strange events, um, something happened that I did not think would happen, and that was that I would actually leave being on what I thought was the front lines of the mission field, and God called me to teach uh, in a program in the U.S., Bethel University in St. Paul, Minnesota, because my husband, who's a physician, um, was asked by our mission to oversee all of our mission's medical work, and we were based um, in the U.S. It's a very hard thing for my kids and for all of us, but um, I learned that um, Bethel was an awesome place because I met a, a lot of students. I was still doing what God had called me to do, and that was to teach nursing, but now I had an opportunity to excite nursing students about God's work um, outside the walls of Bethel. And then through some events, which I'm going to share with you, I got involved once again um, in, uh, in Africa, where I left part of my heart, and uh, in Uganda. And um, God's preparation is really very interesting. Um, it has been exciting if I had not have had the years in Zimbabwe and had not had the years uh, at Bethel, then I could not do the ministry God has called me to do now. Um, in, uh, in Uganda. Um, for those of you who may not know Bethel, I, I have put up some of our core values and the mission of our department is to provide leadership in nursing scholarship. And it, it is um, wonderful to be able to do what I have done all my life and that is to practice nursing out of a, from my Christian worldview. And as you know as nurses, it's awesome because we have a, a job that um, is more than a job and allows us to do what, what we love to do in our heart, and that is to really be able to share the love of God uh, every day as we touch the lives of patients. Um, so as we live out our mission as a department, we have from the very beginning taken our students um, in our, we have this January interim, I don't know if you have had that, um, but we have a whole month in which um, we can do one course in a month, and so it has provided us from the very beginning with being able to take our students um, all over the world. I have led trips to back to Zimbabwe, where I was, and in a year when Zimbabwe was in chaos, as it is often, um, I went to Tenwick in Kenya with students, and then also with a Korean colleague, we took students back to our 
countries of origin, Japan and um, Korea. And um, one of my colleagues is here, and he spoke at one of the other um, breakout sessions. And on one of the trips when he was taking students to Uganda, um, someone said to him, what could a place like Bethel do to help improve the standard of nursing um, in Uganda? And so he came back. We, we met as a group of interested faculty, and we began communicating um, and decided perhaps that a university rather than um, a rural mission hospital might be the best place for us to collaborate in terms of how we would um, go forward. And um, we, we made use of tax dollars, and um, I got um, um, some, a grant to help um, for my first three trips to Uganda and then um, a Fulbright to be there for a year. And um, just a little bit about uh, where we are located. Um, I can get my cursor to show here. Here is Kampala, and we are about 23 kilometers on the way to Jinja or on the way to Kenya um, is where the university is located. So the first trip was really about connections. Um, Uganda Christian University is like Bethel. We, we all belong to the um, Consortium of Christian Colleges and Universities, so a like-minded place to collaborate. And um, it had been a seminary starting in 1913, but about 12 years ago became a university and at, at, with amazing growth, about 6,000 students now in just these few short years. Beautiful country. Um, you can study outside, and you can see that we, they don't even often put full walls on the sides of building. This is chapel um, where students um, enjoy, um, like Bethel, um, a chap chapel ministry that um, uh, speaks to their growth spiritually. Um, not mandatory, but very well attended by students, their dining center. And at the time that I first went, this is what the computer lab looked like. It was cast off computers from some hospital in the U.S. And this, 100, uh, this had 100 computers in this room. And so in my first search, this was the library. I took a look through the library. I found one ancient nursing textbook somewhere on the shelf. And that was kind of where we had to start. We, we began by working with the Ministry of Health and the nursing council there and asking them how we would go about starting um, a program at um, the university. And so they asked us to visit every existing um, baccalaureate program. And um, so we met the, the, the highest nursing position in the country is called a commissioner and her deputies. And then Mrs. Rita Mate was the registrar, which is how they keep track of, of people who are licensed and registered. And um, something that would probably not happen in the U.S. after I finished talking to um, Rita, she actually prayed with us um, uh, in, right in her office there. Kind of an interesting experience. And um, I visited um, Milago and had a wonderful tour there. And then Makerere University. And actually, Connie was at... Um, at uh, teaching at Makerere at the time uh, when we did our explorations there. I visited um, some mission hospital school of nursing because we were thinking that the first focus would be degree completion, wanted to know the setting where the students, um, prospective students might be coming from. Um, even though I taught in Africa, I was a little blown away. This was the skills lab that was doubling for a classroom 
And then I saw this bucket of bones <laughs> for anatomy, and I, I didn't ask where some of these bones may come from. Some looked like from a, maybe a skeleton of, um, you know, made of plastic, but others really were kind of questionable. Um, then one of the places we visited also was um, Aga Khan, which is a Pakistani-based um, university system. They've developed um, uh, development and universities kind of all over the world. And one of the things we asked ourselves um, as we were doing this was who, who would we find in Uganda um, because we were just consultants to kind of help the university get their program going. And we kind of, we, at that point, there were like maybe six or eight um, nurses in all of Uganda with a master's degree and no PhDs. And we learned about this woman who was a wonderful believer. And this was the second program that she had assisted, um, you know, in the development. So in her office, we sa I said to her, if we were to start a program like this, um, where would we find people to teach? And she said, well, you will advertise and people like me will apply. And um, so that was, you know, our kind of indirect way of learning that she really would like to be a part of a program that was, in fact, Christian through and through. Um, we left with a memorandum of agreement between our two universities to work together. And um, then in the second trip, uh, my colleague Dave and I both went and we um, started working with uh, the folk there in the development of um, a 10-year plan. We called an advisory committee together, and this room doesn't depict how many people were actually there. And um, here were some of the participants. The commissioner of nursing came. This is um, ultimately the lady who became the director, Jamima Mutabazi. And this man is now the essentially what would be known to us as president, the vice chancellor of the university who also had a vision at the same time. It's a long story. They had an idea about starting nursing, and God led us at the same time. So we had some recommendations from the advisory board that were really excellent. We had approval from UCU to move forward. We had a rough outline of the curriculum, and we made plans. They made plans to hire um, uh, Mrs. Mutabazi, who um, has a master's degree from Case Western um, and is um, to be the director. So then the third trip was the following January, and this time the program was to, we knew would be launched in May, and by then um, Jamima was hired in December, so now we worked as a, a team. Uh, we have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful friendship, um, and in fact uh, call ourselves sisters, and we spent hours and hours then in fleshing out our, um, the plans for UCU. Um, a lot of different intricate things when you try to, uh, in a busy university schedule, to find a room and all those things. And then, um, as nurses, you know that nursing programs are very, very different. And if you've never had a professional program in your university before, the idea of clinicals and clinical times and ratios of faculty to, to student when you go to clinical and you know, that we needed a vehicle to carry our students to clinical and that we would need contracts. So we had a lot of, of, of kind of educating to do um, to the staff there. And sometimes I still like to remind them that we told them that we would be very expensive, that nursing programs are known to be very expensive programs because of, of, of the fact that we are, we are preparing people to work with human lives and the cost is more. 
Um, in 2006, then, in May, Jamima started the program, and I joined her in the fall and spent the first year uh, with her. We had 14 in our first class. These um, students had never had never had the opportunity to to do a bachelor's program. If you if you meet them, they carry a file this high of of diplomas and certificates, and they've taken everything that is possible to take. And so these people were already leaders um, in their own <coughs> own right. Um, um, and so uh, we're really giving them a foundation in areas that. Um, would strengthen their leadership potential. So going to clinicals, um, you know, it was a place where at that point electricity and still is off and on, so um, discovered ways of doing lecture prep by um, high-powered batteries. And um, then we were able to get some computers to help them, um, you know, find data on the network and then um, a bus to take us to clinicals, and, of course, a doll for learning. One of the fun things we did back at Bethel was to collect, um, on two occasions, we collected a, every, a lot of textbooks that we could find. And most of us as faculty get a lot of textbooks for preview, and we collected those um, and were able then, um, you know, catalog them for, the, for them and then were able to send them out. So at that point... Um, um, we may not today, but at that point, at least for a while, we had one of the best libraries uh, in Uganda, which was fun to do. Um, thinking of nursing as a profession in Uganda, and um, a lot of you are younger than I am, but I know in my 40-year lifetime as a nurse that the same uh, journey that Ugandan nurses are struggling to take, we have taken as a, as a profession. And um, I, tell, I was telling the story to some of my students um, not too long ago that I remember when, when I was first learning to be a nurse, we could not say the patient was bleeding. We, we were not thought to have enough <laughs> intelligence or whatever. We, had, we could write that there was bright red you know, liquid spurting that seemed to keep time with their pulse, but we could not say they were bleeding from an artery. So you know, we, have, we have had a struggle in my lifetime. Um, I remember I, you know, early on, when I was getting my bachelor's, there was still the question of whether, you know, bachelor's prepared nurses were really nurses, um, if we had anything to really offer beyond something in the textbook and wanting to be little doctors. And so this is now the place where Ugandan, our Ugandan colleagues um, are really struggling. And I said to Jamima, don't you think that because, you know, we've been that trek that, that it can be faster for you? And she said, oh, Karen, I think it's going to be longer. And uh, so they have um, a long way to go. Of course, there will still be the need for the nurses who are, you know, t technicians to fill a lot of roles. But if Uganda is going to really progress in its health care, it needs nurses who are professionals and, and leaders. Um, these are things, of course, you learned in a textbook, and I'm going to look at some of them in terms of, first, the unique body of knowledge. And, of course, most of the, you know, nur nursing students are learning theories like, like we have, but most of these theories are, in fact, probably the vast majority are theories from the West. Uh, they are teaching nursing process, um, but one of the things when I go around the room in a, in, in, with the master students I'm working with now and, and ask about their research interests, you know, many of them will say, well, 
We learn nursing process in the classroom, but it's not being practiced in the clinical setting. We'd really like to study why that is, and there are lots of reasons. Um, they need to be involved in both primary and maybe repeating of studies, replication of studies that might find out how some of the same results might play out in Uganda. They talk about evidence-based care, but there's been very little um, um, you know, gathering of evidence that might be Uganda-specific. And when you think that um, I once on an occasion sent students to find research that was already existing because, you know, research is built on somebody else's, you know, our past knowledge. And they spent a whole day and, of course, a fair bit of money to travel where they went. And the research that exists is on shelves in various institutions and in various places and it's not cataloged, and, you know, most of them came back with maybe four or five pages uh, copied from somebody's past uh, research and really didn't get anything helpful to build their, their research on other people's research. I'm sure this will come in time, but um, it's a very difficult thing. Talking about publication, and some are starting to publish, but uh, certainly uh, something that needs to happen, needs to have textbooks written for them, um, reviewing of, a litera of literature is a nightmare. In, in that early time in that lab you saw, I was helping them um, try to find an article, and on one occasion I had spent, I spent 45 minutes, and we still had not pulled up one PDF file between the slowness of the, of the Internet and the slowness of the network, and then um, the fact that what we have access to comes from WHO and is actually a wonderful resource. Some journals have allowed access through a fairly minimal expense to universities, but um, it's so many clicks. When you go in CINAHL, there's no direct access to full text. You then have to go to the list of journals, click find the journal, click find the volume, the year, the volume, the issue, and finally, that many clicks on a slow network, 45 minutes, I still hadn't pulled up one article for them. Anyway, very, very eager and very, very diligent um, in wanting uh, to learn. They are some of the most um, eager students that I have had opportunity to teach. And as you know, I don't have to tell you that knowledge is really increasing. And so um, uh, in order for Uganda nurses to provide 21st century care, they can't be left behind um, as a profession. And... Um, uh, you know, literature is full. If you leave, if you leave one area behind, ultimately the rest of healthcare will suffer. And as nurses, I don't need to convince you that nursing is, you know, really the backbone of um, of healthcare. So nurses really have been left out um, uh, of higher education. Um, these statistics that I'm showing you now are the ones that were kind of present at the time we did, and people really weren't sure. Um, Jamima kind of did math in her head because she knew when the school started and how many must have been pulled out. Um, um, it's undoubtedly double that now, and there, are some, there is some hope in terms of being able to um, find out these numbers because of some projects that are going on. At that time, there was really not even a structure in the government system for paying someone with a bachelor's degree, and so they often went to NGOs to work and um, left or would leave the country. So, um, like I said, at that time, we could only find about six or eight nurses with master's degree. And um, 
others with master's in other areas, as we did in nursing too when we first started getting master's degrees because there were no, and at, there were no PhDs at that time, but thankfully there are some um, on the way now and some who have returned with PhDs. Um, at that time, there were five programs. There are a few more now, and one university was offering a very limited master's program for its own faculty for faculty development purposes. Um, these were different things from what I had seen in my experiences in other parts of Africa where nurses um, had more advanced degrees. Uh, so definitely the sense that U Ugandan nurses had not had opportunity just really struck us um, as a university. Um, certainly public service over financial gain, um, the salary of nursing is very low, um, but I have met some really, really caring nurses uh, who really, when we take our students there, that is some of the things that they are very impressed with is their ability to care for the whole person. I've seen students who I know are struggling to pay the bills, pull from their pocket and buy something for the patient who has no food um, and um, maybe nothing to, to drink or to give the, their family members who are ill. Um, but one of the concerns that I hear from my students in Uganda is that um, because of the lack of respect for nursing, which um, I will mention, um, a lot of those who are, in, are getting into nursing are those who were rejected from medical school. And so they don't really want to be there. And so that's the other thing I hear from my students is the real concern about, you know, what do we do with these people who, who have come to nursing because they are rejects from medical school and really haven't developed a heart um, for the profession. And so therefore they don't stay. They don't, you know, they, they get the education um, and they don't stay and their heart isn't in it if they are there. So um, certainly uh, nursing needs uh, people with a heart and a desire and to know that it's something more than just um, a way to earn income. Code of Ethics, um, there is a nursing and midwifery council. They organize in um, licensure exams. They issue licenses. Um, and one of the things I wanted to show you is one of the reasons why it's very, very difficult to... Um, to find out exact numbers is this, these are some pictures that I saw. Uh, there's been a project by a Norwegian group now to help them put their licensed people in to create a database and actually be able to find out who's still alive and practicing. And um, these are kind of the way the, their, their files look. So when we say it's difficult to figure out the numbers, it's partly because things, we don't realize how much an advantage digitalizing everything is and being able to have those statistics um, so, uh, so easily. They have practice standards, and um, so some of the recent developments have been that they have developed now, um, before they were in um, a union that was like a civil servant union, that nursing really didn't have a voice, and they have now established um, a separate organization. And so I think they're, they're very, very hopeful that they are going to be able to um, be a stronger collective for getting their voice out there. This is their every year on Nurses, uh, Nurses Day. They have a big conference, and, of course, dancing is a part of everything, uh, even nursing. Um, responsibility to the public with accountability. And, you know, this is an area where nurses um, have... Uh, 
have not really been empowered to feel that they really are personally accountable to the community. Um, the the community, uh, in, in many places where I've been in Africa, nursing is a respected profession, but the community in Uganda, this is what my, my nursing students tell me, is that we don't have respect by the, by the community. And um, people just don't, uh, you know, like some of the other stories I've heard while I've been here in other countries as well, is people want to listen to the, the doctor, but don't really respect nursing. So I heard that from the students, and then I was invited to um, Gulu, which is up in the north, um, and um, newly developed medical school there, and they invited me to come and, and discuss with them about how they might start a nursing program. And so I had my prime opportunity to talk to about 75 physicians and, and med students, and so I was presenting, if you really want to start you know, a nursing program, telling them what nursing is as a profession and how we have nursing diagnosis and how, you know, our role is different and yet, you know, so very um, important to be at the table with you. And um, I heard them say, they said with their own mouth to me, well, you know, we've often said that, that, you know, we, they, they admitted <laughs> that they, you know, denigrated nursing at the, you know, and said, well, what can we do, they said. And I said, well... Um, one of the things you could do is at the bedside, you could be really very supportive to, to nursing by letting the family know you have confidence in the nurse. Nurses don't sometimes even believe that they can implement anything as simple as taking blood pressures and doing other things when they're faced with an emergency, just kind of feeling like a physician has to give them an order for everything they do. And it was very interesting at this, um, at this meeting to to have them actually, um, the physicians, confirm what I had heard from the students. Certainly the area of autonomy is one that um, they, are, they are really struggling to discover um, you know, what, that, um, what that is all about. Um, another thing I discovered is that um, documentation is an issue. Um, it, there's starting to be a movement now to maybe get them back in what they call the patient's file, the chart. They have a book and nursing documents separately. And even nursing students document because they're not quite qualified to, to at least in, in some of the places I saw, they're not quite qualified to, to document in the same book that the qualified staff would be. So learning to respect um, the opinion and the documentation of nursing um, was not in some of the places that we went to. So empowerment. So feeling like, uh, you know, what kinds of things then would help to empower our nursing colleagues uh, in Uganda? And certainly the acquisition of education um, is an important one. BSN or BNS as they even call it, Masters of Science, uh, DMPs, PhDs, all of these things. Um, and, of course, like in many countries, um, nursing has been, as it is in many places, predominantly a female prof profession. So certainly the gender issues have also um, held back. But um, in Uganda, when uh, a woman gets, an, gets education, um, you find they can hold their head up and they can speak and they're more confident and they're heard um, many times. So certainly... Um, thinking about ways that nurses in Uganda could get higher education. 
Um, obviously, when you get a critical mass, the mass has to be large enough before it's powerful enough to start to say, you know, what is it we can do as a profession ourselves to, um, you know, their strength in number. So certainly increasing that critical mass. Um, developing of nurse leaders, those who are um, in administration, in education, in clinical practice, and in research. So another thing is develop of Uganda-specific nursing knowledge and strengthening the voice of the nurses and um, utilizing technology. Um, being able to use technology is, is empowering. A lot of the nurses said there's a computer, um, and, and sometimes I heard nurses aren't allowed to use that computer, the one computer on our unit or on our ward or on our, you know, in our hospital. And others said they're there, but there isn't any nurse who knows how to use them or the doctors use them all the time and we can't. So one of the things we have been doing is working in the area of nursing informatics. Um, expanding their vision and imagination. Um, there are, because there are no masters, so few masters prepared nurses, there, there is not even a vision or imagination of what is it that a masters prepared nurse does that's different from what a bachelors prepared nurse does that's different from the diploma and certificate nurses. So another way to empower is to connect nurses in Uganda with nurses worldwide to understand that there are similarities and yet there are differences in what you face. Earning respect and confidence of the public and other healthcare professionals, important part of empowerment. Um, gaining recognition through leadership roles and job descriptions that are commiserate with their education and their experience. So in 2008, our, the first class graduated from our degree completion program, all 14. And uh, it was a pretty exciting day for Jamima and I as we um, celebrated with them. But we began to realize that um, Jamima was still the only master's prepared nurse teaching in the program, and it was starting to grow. And um, she hired some bachelor's prepared nurses to teach, but that means bachelor's nurses are teaching at the same level that they're, they're, that they, for which they are qualified. So we began to think about um, what we could do to improve the numbers of faculty that UCU had, Uganda Christian University. And then we decided to think a little more broadly and open it up um, outside the doors. So um, in 2008, right after graduation, we started um, the first class. Um, a couple of these are graduates of that, uh, that other, that, uh, the BNS program. And uh, three of them um, were full-time working for Uganda Christian University. So because we come from Bethel and we thought we had a pretty good master's program and we wouldn't reinvent the wheel totally, um, we decided to try to adapt um, our program as much as we could to fit um, into their setting. Um, our program is strongly leadership-focused from a Christian context and that we would focus on nursing education first, maybe later on nursing administration, because that seemed to us to be the really um, great need was for raising up more nurse educators. Um, uh, all, all of them were in some form of nursing education. So these are some of the things that we taught in the area of nursing, or we teach in the area of nursing education. Um, we, we are thinking of strengthening them as nurse educators, so we do pathophysiology again. And um, 
because there's not a large group and there's maybe one who would want psych and you know, a couple who would want peds and three who would want maternal child. We've done the clinical area as independent studies. And um, then in the area of leadership, we've done theories, um, health systems, nursing informatics, global and human diversity. And then, of course, we spend a great deal of time in the area of nursing research. And while in the U.S. we are not doing most of the master's programs are project-based and not necessarily um, research-based. If you, if you realize that there aren't that many people with PhDs, then you understand that master's prepared nurses need to be, need to be able to do research. So um, they do a thesis, which they actually call a dissertation. Um, the first cohort we did part-time. They came every Friday and Saturday, and um, they all taught full-time. And then in January, they, they did some full-time work, and it, took three, it takes, took three years. Well, then there are people who live in the outer parts of, of Uganda who are teaching and wanted to be involved in our program. So we've now changed it to be a modular program three times a year for four weeks at a time and a lot of work done online in between. And... Um, we still have a lot of ongoing um, exchanges because our partnership is about, um, really about developing both programs. Um, I am not doing this as much anymore now that I'm busy with the master's program, but we will be taking 30, 35 students in January again uh, to Uganda. And what is really fun is that um, when we bring them now, our master's students can um, plan their clinical day, set, set objectives for them, take them, debrief with them, and then we can split into groups. We debrief with the master students, and the people who brought the Bethel students can debrief with them. And so it's creating a wonderful um, benefit both, uh, both directions for us. And then last January, we, we tried an exchange the other way, and we brought the, the first class, the seven students, to Minnesota. Now, people have asked me, why did we pick the absolute worst time of year to bring them to Minnesota. Uh, they will admit that was part of their cultural, cultural learning. <laughs> Someone, one of our missionaries in Uganda was, was laughing and teasing them and saying, now if you open your freezer at home and you stick your hand in, that will be a little bit of like what you might experience when you go to Minnesota. They were kind of surprised that the sun even shone. I think they thought it would look gray like that all the time. But um, really exciting opportunity. It was the best experiences that we could plan for them so happened to fall in January, February, and March. Um, so we had gathered a lot of warm clothing um, and uh, told them not to worry about warm clothing except to, to get to us. And uh, So one of the fun things that happens in January for our master's students is they do take a course um, in global health, uh, and they took the course together. And um, you can see even our Bethel students are fairly uh, diverse. Um, and uh, so it, it was a really awesome course to put the two together. And, um, you know, it provided a lot of uh, wonderful interaction uh, for the students from in both directions. And the Bethel students in their course evaluation said that was one of the best things about the course was to have the Ugandan students in the class with them. And uh, I saw the Ugandan students really develop um, confidence about themselves. They, they, they spoke up. They, they weren't afraid to, to talk and give their opinion. And so from 
the UCU Bethel partnership, the reassurance that um, our students from Uganda could perform very well, which was our goal. Um, they could perform as equals in the class. Um, some of the other benefits of bringing them on that exchange was suddenly they had high-speed access to databases, and, it, and then they had they said we had to learn you know search terms because they they it had been so hard to do it before that the concept of how you how you search with search terms because sometimes some of us just did a search and would hand them 25 articles and and they because it was so so frustrating for them to do that. They each had an opportunity to consult with our research librarians. They found that really helpful. Um, they each got connected with one of my colleagues um, as their research advisor, and th they are following them now all the way to the end. Um, they did the informatics course there. They saw electronic health records. And, um, um, you know, one of our philosophies is that uh, it, 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 that we should expose them even to things that aren't currently happening in Uganda. Because at, at the level of the masters, they're going to read literature from around the world. You want them to know um, a broader picture of the world. You want them to take that and try to understand how it fits uh, in Uganda. And so um, um, I, I tell them eventually there'll be more, there will be more electronic health records in Uganda and you, you want to be able to know what they are and speak about them. And um, there, there is uh, an international hospital that does have an electronic health record, so it's not completely out of the possibility. Uh, so just as we do with our uh, U.S. students, they take um, informatics, they have a list of competencies as we do, and so this was a great place to do that. And one of my grad students uh, did as her internship for um, teaching. Um, she worked with them and, and did... Um, um, helped them a lot with uh, learning the technology skills. Uh, they had clinical opportunities. They, we had permissions from the places where we take our students for them to, um, to shadow our faculty. So they went, um, they shadowed in class. They saw class, they saw clinical, they saw lab. Um, we had three students who were particularly interested in midwifery, and we don't do midwifery at Bethel. So I arranged with University of Minnesota they attended a midwifery class with the, with the midwifery students there and actually then went to midwifery clinics. Um, and um, we have recently developed a really high-tech um, simulation lab, which is, sounds really strange, but that is my other job, is to work in this really high-tech environment. <laughs> to me, they all come together when I go to Uganda, but uh, I live in the opposite extreme of technology. But I actually have worked with them, um, got a microphone, and, and have since learned that you can reverse these baby monitors, which are about $65, compared I spent about $250 for a microphone that they could put inside the doll. Mo most of the schools have some kind of, you know, um, doll for practicing learning. So put the doll in the chest somewhere and speak the voice. And to me, the biggest part about simulation that makes reality is that the, the patient speaks back, the doll speaks back. And so um, one of their projects is that uh, three of them recently 
did a simulation at, at Aga Khan where one of them lives, one of them works uh, in midwifery, and they really kind of wowed the other clinical instructors. So it's a, it was a really low-tech application of this wonderful methodology that I think, you know, we may think is only about the technology, but it's really about creating a situation that has some reality in it and allowing students at whatever level they are to think about what decision do you need to make. And so they're really excited about, um, and you can actually, sometimes they, you can have the voice sit at the head of, you know, kind of sit at the head and play the voice, and you can do simulation in a, in a low-tech environment. And, you know, you may say, why did we want to take them, you know, totally out of Uganda to do that? And that was kind of to stretch their imaginations. Um, we said we don't always do it right. We don't think you should necessarily copy what we're doing. But it's just to stretch your imagination. What else can nurses um, who practice at the master's level, what, it, what does that look like? And it's up to you to kind of think how that might look um, in, in Uganda. Of course, we had some wonderful cultural experiences. They walked on water. <laughs> and um, anyway, for us, we feel this is only the beginning of a partnership that um, uh, together, uh, um, and actually my, my colleague Jamima came as well at the very end to, um, to speak on our campus and to also see what these students um, were doing. Um, it's been really, really exciting as I've gone back now to work with them to see the ways in which they are, are um, translating and transforming what they learned into, um, into projects. And these things we call internships are not really internships that they're attached to a preceptor, but it's assignments where they're asked to, to, to apply something in a course they're, they're teaching at the moment. And when I was just there in September, um, one of them said, I, I'm really sorry, I didn't get the assignment you asked me because I was, I was busy trying to do something in my class this semester that I, that I learned and I wanted, um, I wanted to apply. So um, those have been really exciting things to see. Um, we will continue to be sending Bethel students there. We've rewritten our curriculum. Our students are going to be spending, uh, seniors are going to be, have a choice um, it won't, of course, be all 90 students, but those who choose can have a semester option um, at UCU with, of course, Bethel faculty there as well um, in the fall of their senior year looking at community health and pediatrics. And so that is strengthening um, our partnership. We will continue to te collect textbooks and whatever we can um, to help out. And then I'm hoping that some of our Bethel grads will also be interested um, when I was just there, um, Jimmy, you know, I, I'm, I'm really looking for faculty to come and teach um, with us in the PhD program until we have Ugandans that can do that. And she said, I could really use some master's prepared nurses as well to teach um, in the degree completion. So it's just the shortages right now in order to be able to teach with excellence. So looking for some grants. And um, I personally would like to keep that that exchange with each class coming to the U.S. for two or three or four more times, then I'll know I'll have a network of master's prepared nurses that I can attach students to as preceptors. But it stretched their vision, and it really may, and, and one of them said, you know, we've known people who have gone to the U.S. to do a master's degree. They're gone, they come back, and they, they struggle when they come back 
they're gone for two or three years and to try to reintegrate themselves. They said this was awesome because we had, we, we were mentored while we were there and we were mentored in return, you know, and, and, and as to what to do with that, that information. So I think it's a model that, that is, um, from their perspective and our perspective, um, a really good one. I think we'd like to do some joint research and publication. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that some of these first seven studies, uh, the faculty that are working with them may be able to assist them into publishing some of them. And of course, I'm looking for more people. Um, Jamima and I talk about our dream. We are both about the same age and know that, that uh, retirement is probably looming in our future not too far away, but we dream of the day when we find um, we have, then these graduates from the master's program will um, be able to um, smoothly find a DMP or a PhD program and um, we develop them as leadership and then we can happily retire um, from doing that. Anyway, the future is really bright with opportunities and filled with hope and exciting possibilities. Um, Uganda nurses with higher degrees will take leadership and are taking leadership, and nurses will take their rightful place at the table with other healthcare professionals. Um, we have a couple seconds, and so I, 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 I wrote them this past week, and I said, I'm going to be telling them about our partnership. What should I, what, oops, going to collapse on me. Shoot. But there it is. What should I tell them? So one of them wrote, there are nursing opportunities arising in Uganda. Many universities are coming up, but they are lacking quality nurse educators. Strong emphasis can be placed on human capital development, both to support education and research at universities to contribute toward building a new generation of academics. The developed countries like the U.S. have already developed capacity and countries like Uganda, if given chance, can benefit from partnering with this country. Therefore, partnerships should be encouraged, connections between universities as well as drawing on resources and sharing of expertise. On the other hand, in Uganda, there are many opportunities for students, meaning our students from the U.S., um, um, can, they can learn. These opportunities can be shared with other countries. So seeing that there can be something else, and there was one more. So um, one of them wrote, personally, it's helping in adding to me the academic knowledge in nursing practice, education, and clinical. And this is from Moses. He's a, he's a psych nurse, which they, there aren't that many in Uganda. And he has already started an, an, an NGO um, of his own, got, gone all the way through independently, because he's, really, really, he's, a, he's a wonderful believer. He's really, really in, worried and concerned about the fact that when you in, in, in Uganda, most the, 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 the stigma with mental health is still very, very great. And um, the, the people are hospitalized and rarely, infrequently, um, you know, go back into the community. They often they, um, find themselves back in the psychiatric. So his, his research study is going to be on the lived experience of families who, who have a mentally ill um, family member. Um, and so his burden, he, he actually works through his church as well, is that he wants this um, co um, community psychiatric support organization to try and help him. So that's um, an outcome for him. Um, improved um, a lot of Uganda nurses' teaching, enabled Uganda nurses to visit places in the U.S., and so forth, and you can see. So... Um, it has um, certainly benefited 
uh, these students. Let me just do my last two slides, and then we'll see if there are any questions. So practical application, I've discussed a model of partnership and collaboration that has benefited both sets of nursing, and I, I hope that um, I've maybe given some of you an idea of a very different kind of ministry that God might call you to um, that can make a really significant difference um, in teaching nursing from a Christian perspective um, in another setting. So any questions or comments? I'm sorry, yes. Are the, um, the nurses that are being educated there, or, or any of the nurses that you're acting with, um, are they doing very much as far as educating the very local communities? Like, are they going into the bush or the villages and doing any one-on-one education? Yeah, in the... In the um, Jamima is a community health nurse, so in the bachelor's program, they do community health, and they're actually trekking around um, in, in villages and follow a, a family during the semester, but it's really out in a rural area, and that's Jamima's passion, so definitely, yes. Is it kind of well, I mean, they can't, I mean, it's not a completely organized, you know, covering an entire area, because our purpose as a university in teaching it would be to give them the skills and we aren't about the program that might be thinking, I mean, we talk about systems, that will be for them. So this is primarily to give them experience in community health and it's taught from a primary health care perspective and they, they set goals and they vi- visit in families and connect families to resources and she's picked an area that's, you know, really underserved and works with them. Well, in that setting, it's a personal clinical experience, so they're working with families. Yeah. And I'm talking about the, the, um, that, the, the degree completion program, that, that illustration that I'm, that I'm giving you. So we work with, by the time we get them in the master's program, they've picked their own area of specialty. And so we're, we help each one individually to develop their own um, interests. But, yes, yeah, certainly the, that is... They go to different hospitals. Okay. Yeah, um, we 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 were using a for the degree completion. We were using a um, a district hospital, and then we were using um, a Catholic mission hospital, and now we are using Mulago, the big the biggest um, hospital in the in the and the um, there is only one major psych hospital. So we uh, we actually have to pay to take students to do clinical. Um, yeah, so we're using other hospitals. That was one of the things the Ministry of Health said to us when we first came. You can't do that unless you start a hospital. You can't have a school of nursing unless you start a hospital. And so I said, well, I guess this is the end of our discussion. And it was like I was going to go, and it was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> they changed their mind <laughs> and uh, said uh, then they were a little more willing. Um, and, and it may come at some point, um, you know, in a medical school and a few other things at Uganda Christian University. But right now, we're making use, like at least like Bethel does. We we don't, you know, have a hospital that we're one hospital we're using every hospital in the Twin Cities that we can um, to take our students to. So it's a kind of a similar model to that. So yes. Um, as you saw with Jamima and I, uh, they go and they're with their students when they're there. So our faculty, the same faculty that teach them in the classroom um, and a few more clinical instructors that we hire, 
that's the agreement we have with the, with the, with the hospital is that when we go, we, we come with our faculty. So they don't do No, not, not, yeah. And the C, and, and actually when I was with doing the thing with Fulbright, I, we're supposed to do a, a research project and I was going to do it on preceptors. But the preceptors that I would have had lesser education than the baccalaureate students. So we were thinking that we would try to empower these people with, you know, like this is what we're teaching them and this is what you can ask them. But it, 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 it created difficulties because the baccalaureate students were learning something that, that didn't increase the confidence of the people that we would try to preceptor with. Now, there are more and more now, other than at the time when, in 2005 when we were looking, there are more places now that have master, baccalaureate prepared nurses who are being, who are charge nurses or who are um, educators in the clinical setting. So as that critical mass increases, then it's possible, it will be more possible for us to provide our student with an extra experience that doesn't involve a faculty member of preceptoring. But we've talked a lot about preceptoring, but it's really difficult because if you're really trying to make a difference and have a change in mindset as to what a nurse can be, you really want to think about who that preceptor is and what's happening. So it, it, it's, a, it's a difficult thing, but it, it, it you know, certainly will come in the future. Any other questions? Yes. Um, most of them are just strengthening the job they're doing because the, the ones in the master's program um, are already teaching, most of them. Um, in, the, in the second class we have now, um, there, are, um, there are six students and three are in education and three are in the clinical setting. And so, but they're the ones who give the continuing education. So they're using, you know, we have a strong um, education focus, so they're using their their skills at educating. But um, some have gotten new jobs since they've been in. One has had a promotion in the education system. One has been promoted to the Ministry of Health. Um, and so for some of them, it is bringing um, promotions. Um, I think the environment is getting better um, for um, accepting. But I remember in one of the, the second semester I was there um, with students in a clinical setting, a physician saw the students with stethoscopes and he said stethoscopes why do nurses need stethoscopes what's wrong with taking a pulse you know so the the, the concept of <laughs> I told that to Jamima and she said I'll bet he's a medical officer that is upgraded to a nurse I mean to a physician and sure enough we did a little research to discover that it was about his personal um, agenda with nurses because at one point a nurse might have been over him in his past. So, but anyway, that happens everywhere in the world. But you know, there's still this concept of why does a nurse, you know, so understanding what is nursing and how is nursing different from, sorry, I didn't even know I had, you could even get anything in this building, um, that nursing has something to contribute that's very different, that isn't in competition. Um, and that if you really empower, the, the, when I went to Guru, the, the doctor who was the, head of the medical school there, had been somewhere and seen nurses practice in, in, in fully. And it made a difference in his, 
what he, he could do as a physician. And so he, I, I had talked to him first, so I knew I could be fairly um, forward in that meeting about what nurses could do. And so that's kind of the long journey they have is to, is to slowly work through the system and to understand how they can make a difference. But one of them said to me when, when we were together, she said, I used to be very quiet. I didn't feel like I should say very much, but I, I now have confidence, and I feel that I should express my opinion, and I should say what I have to say. So those are the kind of things you want to hear is that people can, can uh, do more as a nurse. Thank you very much for listening.